For great-looking T-shirts, hoodies, and sweatshirts, the TNT Shop is now open at tntradio.live. The conversation continues with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Hello and welcome to the Freeman Report. My name is James Freeman. If you didn't know already, I'm a former member of the European Parliament, and this is my weekday show where I break down the big issues of our time in our fight for freedom, liberty, and justice. It is Wednesday, the 13th of December, 2023. Thank you for tuning in and joining me today. Um, June Slater will be with me in a moment for our weekly rant about the state of the world. And it is in a bit of a state, isn't it? Amongst other things, we'll be discussing a local story to me regarding a young father who was involved in a serious car collision earlier this year that left him in a coma for six weeks. Um, he's now out of that coma and is reliant on a feeding tube um, to give him enough nutrition to keep him alive. I've got a video that we're going to play um, during the show just to show, actually, that, you know, it's it's a video of him responding to his family. He's playing ball with his daughter. Um, yes, he's in a wheelchair and he cannot talk yet, but it's clear from the video that he's making good progress. However, doctors now want to stop this life-sustaining treatment, which will result in him essentially starving to death um, and also dying of dehydration, which is a devastating prospect for his family, including his young children. I've spoken to his mother, Mandy, who has agreed to be interviewed by me at the weekend. So we're going to show that um, interview early next week on the show here. Um, I did cover the case of the teenage girl recently who doctors repeatedly said only had days to live, but who fought through the courts to stop their bid to withdraw her life-preserving treatment. Her lawyer, James Bogle, um, appeared right here on the Freeman Report. In the end, sadly, very sadly, she passed away. But I do wonder if spending the best part of a year fighting attempts to turn um, her machine off had an impact on her health, which didn't help her condition. Stress has a big impact on our immune systems, and I cannot start to imagine how stressful it would be to have others in court discussing if you should be allowed to live or not. Anyway, um, I've said that I'll help raise awareness for the family in their plight. So please help me do this by sharing clips of the interview when I show it early next week. Um, as I said, I'm meeting up with the family this Saturday. In terms of the news, I see a couple of stories worth mentioning. Um, firstly, I was absolutely right about the British Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak. I said that he would scrape through the vote on his Rwanda bill, but that it would lead him severely damaged in the run-up to the next general election. I said that yesterday on the show. So given all of the scrabbling about yesterday by the whips, it is clear that he has made lots of promises to a lot of his MPs to get their support. Promises I can almost guarantee that he won't be able to keep. And so as we approach the next general election, things will only get worse for the Tory party. It's all so predictable that it could be scripted. Um, essentially, it means that we'll, um, we'll see a Labour Party with a whopping majority um, that is almost pretty much guaranteed now, which will lead us to the prospect 
of a Labour government that is able to push through all of the WEF policies we know are coming down the line with virtually no opposition whatsoever. All part of the plan, as far as I can see. The other story worth mentioning is the UN General Assembly passing a ceasefire resolution on Israel. Will this make a difference? I think it will, because the pressure is building on many fronts now, and even the Biden administration is warning Israel that it is becoming totally isolated. There is only one word for what is going on, and that is genocide. Yes, Israel has the right to defend itself. Yes, Hamas is still holding hostages. And yes, what Hamas did on the 7th of October is and was abhorrent. But that doesn't give Israel a free pass to just kill tens of thousands of innocent civilians. I listened to Katie Hopkins talking about the situation this morning. And while I do like a bit of Katie on TNT radio in the mornings while I do the school run, I have to say, Katie, you are wrong on a lot of things, by the way. Um, but on Israel, you are definitely wrong because it is a genocide. But to give you credit, Katie, you do have the integrity to explain and share your workings out. But Katie, dear, what about the tens of thousands of mothers and fathers who have had their children blown up by Israeli bombs? That's if the parents are still alive, that is. And yes, Katie, numbers do matter. Because while you might say the same thing about Israeli families, of those still being held hostage, of those who were murdered by Hamas on the 7th of October, while you might point that out, the numbers do not lie. I looked up the numbers this morning, and the latest estimates say that 10,000 infants, 10, infants and children have now been killed in Gaza. Which, by the way, Katie, is on top of the 2,000 or so children shot dead by Israeli soldiers in the last two decades. Now, like I said, Katie, I enjoy listening to your show between 8am and 9am um, UK time on TNT Radio. But you really do need to give your head a bit of a wobble and get some perspective on the situation. In other news, um, the film River of Freedom had its um, worldwide release today. Um, Robin Minotti was on the Freeman Report just a few weeks back. Um, he's an executive producer for the film. And if you haven't seen the trailer yet, get yourself over to X as I've pinned it to the top of my account. Um, we will be showing the trailer on the show as well tomorrow. Now, the film is an intimate journey into New Zealand's notorious 2022 Parliament protest, which was a massive uprising in the country against Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern's severe no-jab, no-job injection regime. New Zealand had one of the harshest mandates in the world, and this film exposes that and shows how the New Zealand government violently broke up peaceful protests against it. Now, I, speak, I spoke with Robin Minotti this morning. Um, he's got in touch with the director. She's agreed to come on the show. So we're going to arrange that in the next couple of days. Um, plus, as I said, we will show the trailer on the show tomorrow. If you want to get in touch, then email me at jamesfreeman at tntradio.live. And if you want to join in the conversation, please do by going over to tntradio.live and clicking on the chat icon.
My name is James Freeman, and this is the Freeman Report for TNT Radio. Giving you what you want. I want the fact. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Good morning, Gemma. How are you doing? Oh, it's Gemma today, is it? <laughs> I wondered how long it might take you to revert to fall. <laughs> are you doing? You out? Yes, yes, very well, thank you. Very well indeed. Yes, interesting about uh, rivers. Is it River for Freedom? River to Freedom? Sorry, I, I misheard R- um, that there. River of Freedom. River, River of, freedom. of Freedom. River of Freedom. Yeah, that'll be a great, great, uh, a great watch, certainly. To uh, you know, Robin Minotti is such an experienced filmmaker, producer, and uh, it will be a very uh, thorough, I think, analysis of, of, of that kind of what happened and uh, and why people took the action that, that they did to make that film. Yeah, it's quite a long film. And when he was on the show here with me, he did say that they were potentially going to cut down the the, the film um, for worldwide release because a lot of it is um, sort of following people in New Zealand traveling across the country to the protest. But they've left it all intact. I think he said this morning it is three and a half hours long. But what he did say, and this is really important, is the film is shot in a way that it appeals not just to our community who knew knew what happened to remind us of the terrible things in New Zealand, but he thinks that this film uh, will appeal to those um, who maybe didn't realise what was going on in New Zealand or maybe at the time, because of all the propaganda going on around the world, actually kind of agreed with what the New Zealand government was doing. So um, I've seen the trailer. It is incredibly powerful, and particularly for us in our community who were against it at the time. It really does get the anger boiling once again. So get yourself over to my Twitter account, like I said, have a look at the trailer and do share it. Um, We will be showing it on the show tomorrow as well, but I do agree with Robin that I think it's a good opportunity maybe to wake a few more people up. I think that's certainly needed because before I go on to the story that I've spotted that's breaking here uh, this morning in the UK, um, there was a poll done uh, just a a few days ago uh, asking people here in the UK, would you support now COVID restrictions? Would you support lockdowns? Do you support social distancing and masking? And the overwhelming uh, majority of young people, young people said, yes, bring it back. COVID cases are on the rise. We need more restrictions. I couldn't believe it. And it, funnily enough, it was the older generation, the very much older generation, 75 plus, that said, don't be ridiculous. You know, it's, it, I'm never, we're never going to do that again. The younger generation seems to have been well and truly brainwashed into saying, yeah, bring it back, bring it back as soon as possible. Someone's got a sniffle somewhere. So this film is much needed to uh, to to wake up still. What's, it increasingly looks like the slumbering masses and the next generation. Yeah, but I would call into question here sampling. It's usually about the sampling. You know, coming from the Office for National Statistics, they run national um, surveys like this. And, you know, you can't run a survey and get an honest answer back unless you have random sampling. Um, And this survey will have almost certainly come from a self-selected sample. So it would be people that sign up to complete all these surveys to get, you know, um, discounts or shops and that kind of thing. So I would question, you know, whether this is actually a representative sample of the wider population, because it makes no sense whatsoever um, that lots, you know, 20 percent, I think it was, of young people, um, younger people, or maybe it was 20 percent of people overall, actually, um, higher for younger people, want to bring back in masks and stuff and, and, and close down nightclubs. Don't believe it. Don't believe it. 
Good. <laughs> Good. I certainly <laughs> don't believe it either, but that's that's what the res- our results showed, you know, not our survey. Obviously, it wasn't a TNT survey. But anyway, moving on to the story that's uh, uh, under the spotlight. Uh, it's an Oxford University professor, actually. He's come under the spotlight this morning here in the UK. It's a breaking story that, uh, bearing in mind, this is Oxford University. Oxford University, arguably with Oxford and Cambridge, and you've got Yale, Harvard, Oxford, Cambridge. These are the universities in the world shaping the future leaders, movers and shakers of tomorrow. So you have a professor who's come under fire this morning here. He's an associate professor uh, of undergraduates in economics and management. His name is uh, Professor Steve New. He's told his undergraduates to um, use AI, just use AI as a tool to help you write your essays. There's no problem with it at all. Use AI in tutorial essays, it has to be said. So that's coursework through the year. It's not your final exam. But he's he's absolutely quoted as saying, the tool should help you produce a much better essay than you would have produced unaided. Uh, well, isn't the point of going to a university like that to be able to think for yourself, not not abdicating responsibility for your intellectual process? Um, and he he does acknowledge that AI might steer you into a particular ideological position, i.e. something that's been fact-checked, that's coming out of robot, a robot's mouth. Um, but he is advocating it. He's saying it should make you think hard about the subject you're discussing and make you more confident in framing a clear and persuasive argument, presumably reading between the lines because of the facts that AI will dish out. So it's extraordinary that you have an associate professor from one of the world's top three, four universities saying, yeah, just use robots, use AI. Don't, that's effectively saying, don't think for yourself, let the robot do it for you, who's been programmed with data and information from God knows whom and God knows where, use it to help you write your essays and therefore shape your thought process. Understandably, this story is doing the rounds here because it's quite an, a, an extreme position to take, I think, from an institution that previously would have prided itself on allegedly forming independent thinkers. You have to think about the debating clubs at Oxford and Cambridge. These are to prepare people for places like the House of Commons, the House of Lords, where debate is an integral part of the uh, the political process. That's what these institutions do. They train up the, the powers that be for, for ruling over us tomorrow. And they're now bringing in AI to do that. That's very scary in my book. Yeah, Elon Musk was actually talking um, only a few days ago, actually, about the candidates now coming through to um, his companies, Tesla, and um, I forget what his um, Starlink or whatever it's called. Um, you know, um, and he was saying actually that over the past few years, they've seen the caliber of candidates going down. Now, that could just be because higher caliber um, candidates don't want to work for a right wing <laughs> extremist as he's being painted in the media. Um, but I think, you know, he had an important point here. And his point was that, you know, the standard of um, education um, these days is is going down, not going up, not going in the right direction. Now, I did spend quite a bit of time pondering on AI um, last night. I was actually at my daughter's, and, and my daughter doesn't watch this program, so I can say this. I was at her um, her nativity show <laughs> at the school, and I spent, <clears throat> I have to admit, I spent the whole hour just thinking about AI because I got this question in my head, and I just couldn't get it out of it. And that was, you know, we're told, I mean, I don't think it's totally true, but we're told we live in a meritocracy where the brightest among us um, are rewarded the most, you know, if you're if you work the hardest, if you if you the most innovative and you come up with the best ideas, then you are the person that gets the most rewards. That's how our society, we're told, is constructed. Um, not entirely true, by the way, but there is an element of truth to that. Um, what happens to that? 
now that we've got AI, because essentially AI in not to the distant future will be capable of all sorts. I mean, it already is capable of all sorts, but you know, um, you'll be able to just say to it, go and make me a film an hour and a half long, um, telling this story here, come up with some good ideas within there. So I think very soon we'll find that AI actually can outdo us um, in terms of ideas and actually put formulating their own ideas into the world and, and making and creating things. So what happens to us? And that led me on to then, well, what's life about? You know, if it's not about um, sort of striving to achieve great things and all of that, and these machines are just going to take over, what what are we, what is life about, you know? Um, because it seems like all the importance um, in today's world is about creation, um, is about doing things in the real world. But if AI is going to do that, is it like the WEF um, kind of say that suddenly we're the useless class, which I don't believe, by the way, but it is um, an important question, I think, moving forward into this AI world. What do humans want to be? What do they value in the world? Is it just coming up with ideas and creating them and putting them into the world? Or is there something else more important? I know you'll have something to say on this, Gemma. Well, to me, it just seems very anti-human. And the other thing is, you know, you have to bear in mind how much it costs to go to Oxford University. Um, you know, it costs thousands and thousands to to, to study there. Um, and it gets a lot of overseas students. And you, you pay all that money just to be told what to do by a very, very sophisticated Alexa. Um, it doesn't feel human or creative. Um, it, it, interesting that you were pondering these issues while watching a nativity, um, you know, which is obviously quite a spiritual element, whether you're religious or not. Um, but yeah, the, the human side of the creative process, learning is a creative process. You don't suddenly go to class on day one and learn everything. It takes years to assimilate the information, to interpret information when you go to a, what is what used to be a higher education facility. It's, it's knocking all the creative processes out of the human brain. It's turning neural pathways into a kind of dark corner where you're not thinking for yourself at all. It's taking the humanity away from every aspect of our life. I just touched on this an hour ago with uh, Rick Munn in Locked and Loaded, the digital prison we increasingly find ourselves in and the restrictions it places on us. So I, I think this is very sinister. It's Oxford University shaping the minds of tomorrow's leaders. We already know how corrupt they are at the moment. God knows what the next generation are going to be like if they're going down paths like this. Yeah, I think my big question would be, um, you know, does he own any shares in any AI companies, particularly ones geared up um, and directed um, at students? That would be an interesting question to answer. And I will um, I just add a footnote quickly before you go, Gemma. Um, I did really enjoy my daughter's um, nativity, but I'm just like that. Once I get something in my head, a question, um, then I just can't get it out. I'm, I, I used to be told off at school for daydreaming all the time, looking out of the window, and I haven't changed one bit. Once I get a question fixated in my mind, that's it. It will not go until I've sort of run the course through. So if if if, if one day she does watch this, I did watch it, dear, and it was brilliant. Right, Gemma, thank you very much for that story. I um, look forward to another one tomorrow. To the rest of you, don't go anywhere because June Slater will be joining me after this short break. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman, on TNT Radio.
TNT Radio's Kate Shimarani. Don't stop taking prescription medication. Always go and see your indoctrinated GP, always. But with psychiatric drugs, you have to actually wean off them. They're very addictive and you have to wean off them. Now, I find all this really concerning. But what I cannot get my head around is the worst drug of all. They just let it on the market all the time. Sugar, 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 sugar. And then that's not even to bring in like MSG, monosodium glutamate. And, and I... If, I, I can say, you know, you go into one of these garages and you see all the people going for food. There's nothing to eat in there. I very rarely can find anything to eat in any of these places. And if you go into the supermarket, there's only the first two aisles that have got real food. The rest, it, it's not food. And I see what people buy. I've covertly actually filmed people's trolleys, not them, don't get all excited, but I have filmed trolleys uh, to have a look what people are buying. And it's shocking because what you eat determines what your brain's going to be like and your teenagers' brains do not stop developing till they're about 25 years of age. Kate Shimarani on TNT Radio. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. A hoax about carbon dioxide in the climate has caused a global energy and economic disaster. Today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Right. Welcome back. Um, as usual, I'm going to pass straight over to June Slater for this week's monologue. Um, over to you, June. Thank you. Well, they're always going on in the news about spending money and the um, the profitability of retail and the way we've gone as a society. So looking back and coming from an impoverished background, as I did, a cold terrace with no indoor plumbing, just a cold water tap and a geezer on the wall in the kitchen, which was a lean-to scullery. Most people from my generation want to see their offspring and stepkids do better than they did. By the time I had my own home, which was sold at a profit to buy another one, luxuries like plumbing and heating, fitted carpets, new furnishings were all in place. It was a comfortable environment, and this gives those that live there time and energy to make choices. You don't think much about your future and, and mapping it out when you've got an empty belly. The goal is generally the next meal. Corporate retailers have actually tapped into this so well encouraging us to spend money we don't have. It set an example for the young and it secured a future customer base. Add to this, the education system doesn't have anywhere in its curriculum to teach people how to budget for a home, how to buy one even, or even how to run a bank account. We, at least now, I would say three generations into the mentality of pure indulgence Young girls are having beauty treatments previously available to film stars and expensive tattoos are used to cheer people up. This gets rid of a lot of what's termed disposable income. Nights out costing 150 quid that they don't have. Cat well, I think um, is a very cruel mistress June. and often the younger generation isn't even thinking about thinking about mortgages until the mid-30s to 40. Um, getting on the property ladder at that stage can be difficult and spending habits play a big part in this. I think it's better to teach your kids 
to survive rather than put things in place for them to have. Um, think enough about them to be unpopular with them. They're not your friends. They're your children. They get one chance at parenting. You might have the skill to be both the parent and the friend, but many don't. And I think it's more important to give them the tools of survival, how to do all the things I've mentioned before and put pleasure as a secondary thing. Yeah, thank you, June. Yeah. Um, there's a few things to, I think, talk about there. Firstly, um, you know, um, I mean, just in, incidentally, uh, my kids are 10 and 14 and we're just about to set up bank accounts for them now. Um, I'm not sure I would encourage the schools to um, educate them on money because as far as I can see the kind of education they would get there would be indoctrination um, but we are going to sit down with our kids and you know talk about interest rates talk about different cards and on all that kind of stuff and try and explain them what money is because um, I didn't really understand what money was until much later in life um, regarding the treatments um, yeah June do you know what uh, I I look at a lot of um, sort of young women these days that have a lot of these treatments. Botox. I hope you don't. That's a bit creepy. It's a bit of a creepy thing to admit. <laughs> I look at a lot of young. Oh, sorry, you were following through. I interrupted. <laughs> no, but things sorry, like Jay. you know, I don't know when 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 young women they wear well not and older women loads oh, and loads oh, of makeup. Dig, dig, oh, dig your grave, James. Keep digging. Do you want another spare? Keep digging. Go on. You're looking at young women. Don't talk about. Please don't talk about <laughs> leggings, hot big leggings in big bums, and, and go on. No, James, sorry, I'm, I'm I, Um, you know things like Botox. It's one of those things that I never realised how many people have had Botox. But once somebody points out to you that if somebody's forehead doesn't move while they're talking, they've had Botox. And you know, whereas when I was younger, um, I, I, I wouldn't necessarily. I was attracted to to women with lots of makeup on that spend ages and ages and ages of time. I wouldn't say that, yeah, but just be careful here. Probably... Just be careful here. <laughs> no, women but I'm going somewhere with this. I'm, on, I'm going go somewhere on. with this, June. But you know, in my wise old years now, when I see um, uh, women that you know. I'm going to get murdered for this, aren't I? That spend, I don't know, two hours getting ready before they go out. I just, I, I find that unattractive, to be honest with you, because, um, you know, it's all about vanity and about me and how <laughs> I look and and it's forgetting the real two person hours. inside, you know. And, well, I two don't know. Two hours, they embalm I... a body quicker than that. You could embalm somebody quicker than two <laughs> hours. It's took me 10 minutes to do my makeup all my life. That doesn't include having a shower and all other bits that go on. But when you're getting ready to do your fit, what I can't understand, James, is spending money on beauty treatments wait for it the kicker they're only in their 20s they don't need them and then they're shoving stuff yeah, in the yeah, lips yeah, 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 and then yeah. you see them like five years later and the lips look like a bowl of cocoa pops yeah well my daughter at the moment she's doing um latin dance and um we're trying to like put some other clubs in front of her at the moment to try and persuade her not to do it because what we didn't realize is once they start going into competitions um it gets ridiculous uh, my wife had to spend all day on, on on sunday in this competition but not only that the other thing that worries me is they they have to hire these dresses and then they 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 they, they have to wear makeup and my daughter's only 10 and and you see these young girls really doled up in loads of makeup and and i just don't agree with it because like yeah. you said 
when you're young you, i mean when 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 you, you get on a bit um uh june i, on, I wasn't pointing it. at you i wasn't pointing <laughs> at you but when you get on a bit you might want to wear a bit of makeup but when you're in your 20s you know putting that makeup on actually ages your skin um it's all back to front and 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 you know most young people they do not need to wear makeup that's kind of my I, view on that. So I, I I don't know, James, to be honest, I've worn makeup all my life because I'm bloody horrendous without it. I wake up in the morning, I look like, if my brother had died, that's what I look like. So I don't want to look like that all day. And when I've answered the door on the odd occasion, people look at me like I've had a stroke. So I prefer to see it myself. I prefer to see slap banged on my face. I love it. A bit of fake up. Never did anybody any harm. I don't think makeup actually edges your skin. It's superficial. It's only going on the epidermis. I think the key is to moisturise. By the way, I use Astral. It's dirt cheap. I'm not joking. Um, it's like a, a tub this big for like six quid. It lasts for ages. It's dead greasy. I've always worn it. You don't have to spend a lot. We should do this one day about beauty products because there's so much hype and money spent on packaging. And, I mean, I'm a mush as well because what I do, I decant this cheap crap into a more expensive moisturiser. I was forced to buy one day because I was on a cruise and I'd run out. And um, I decant it into that because it makes me feel better coming out at Posh Bottle, especially if I stay somewhere yeah. and I know chambermaid's going to see it in my bathroom. But um, the studio is, they're flapping at me. We've got to go to a break. But before we do, um, obviously, we, we, we've kind of gone on a bit of a tangent there. But, um, you know, the message that you were kind of saying there is things have changed very, very rapidly in a, quite a short period of time. I grew up in the 70s um, and the 80s. And, you know, we didn't have all of this expensive kit then. Whereas kids these days, you know, they have thousands of pounds, a lot of them, worth of um, stuff. It's a big distraction from the important things in life. And I think that was kind of what you were trying to say there, June. Yeah. Um, you yeah. know, particularly when you grow up with absolutely nothing, you know what's important in life. And I think we've lost that. And the retailers um, have definitely um, taken advantage of that. Right. I better go to a break now. Otherwise, I'm going to get into trouble. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman and June Slater on TNT Radio. And now, dude, I have huge news. I knew it. Knew it. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. U.S. President Joe Biden has promised to transfer another $200 million worth of weapons to Ukraine. Australia, Canada and New Zealand have expressed their anger at Israel's relentless bombardment of Gaza, which has so far killed over 18,000 Palestinians. The U.S. House of Representatives has voted to approve legislation that would ban the imports of Russian uranium. And France claims to have successfully propelled a drone strike on one of its warships in the Red Sea. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT Radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT Radio. Right. Okay. Well, it's probably worth also saying, June, isn't it, that all of your monologues come from your writings um, on X. Um, you frequently write quite long um, sort of monologues on there. Um, June does have a lot of wise words to say. So if you if you do like listening to June, get yourself over to X and um, follow her. I think it's at June Slater 17. I think that's right, isn't it, June? Yeah. Right. OK, moving on, June, because we're going to talk about a story actually local to me. Um, I was contacted at the weekend by someone I know um, and 
um, they highlighted this plight of a family. They literally live around the corner from me. Um, we're going to play a clip now, and I'll explain um, about the clip when we come back. So, studio, if you can please play that clip now. Push it. Push it. Push it. Push it. Push Oh, it's just see you then. Oh. <laughs> Sound <Smiley>. nice? <laughs> now, for those of you listening on the radio, because I, I know some of you um, are not necessarily watching this, um, basically that was a clip of Craig um I, I i don't know craig's age at the moment he looks like he's in his 30s he had a car crash earlier this year he's um, now out of a coma that he was in for six weeks um he's in a wheelchair he's able to interact with his children and his family but he is um dependent on a um and um like a, a feeding tube that goes through his nose down into his stomach he can eat but he can't consume enough nutrients to actually sustain himself um, and what I found out at the weekend, June, is pretty shocking because the local hospital essentially um, to save money, even though it makes no sense because it must have cost them a fortune, an absolute fortune to nurse him to where he is now. So even on an economic basis, it doesn't make sense. But the hospital essentially want to withdraw this nutrition, which will mean what the family is saying anyway, is that he will essentially starve or die of starvation and dehydration. Pretty shocking, isn't it, June? What do you make of this story? Um, I did send you, obviously, the Facebook <laughs> post um, from the family. Yeah, I shared it on my pages and did a screenshot for Twitter to get some, you know, traction. Um, very interesting to read the comments on the thread because people are people are disgusted. Uh, you know, the guy's been working, bringing a family up. He's got young kids. And it should be given every opportunity for life. That TV channel, every single one of them, have never stopped harping on about a migrant death. Someone who possibly killed himself is a migrant that came to this country, wasn't happy. It's been wall-to-wall -wall coverage. This gets no coverage. And this is someone who deserves the right to life. You've only got to look at him there. This is early days. So he had his car accident in March, I believe. So it is very early days for something that's, you know, neurological and every effort should be made to keep him going. I cannot believe in this day and age that we have a health service that will spend all this money on, yeah, on that, the operation, the we... countless operations he's had. That cannot be pleasant. That cannot be enjoyable. And that is wrong on a moral level. And anybody who's working in the NHS, I don't know about banging pans from, I know I'd like to bang. This shouldn't be happening. It's as simple as that. Somebody should step in. What are all these Welsh MPs doing? Sticking their fingers up their arse and sitting there in the synod or whatever it's called. Get stuck into this. Fight for this man's life. This is not on. You can see the effort that the family's going to. I was I was horrified when I read it. I thought I, I even Googled yeah. it to see if it was a mistake, but you say it's local, so it won't be. Yeah, no, literally they they live. 
um less than quarter of a mile um from me just around the corner so um i spoke to mandy um they're actually away um at the moment with the family because they're just finding it also stressful so they've taken a couple of days oh. out and gone somewhere um but um, i'm going to go around on saturday morning and interview the family and then we'll play that early next yeah. week um it is shocking, isn't it? And I, I like the um, the comparison you made there. We've got people coming into the country who are getting, I think the average cost that the UK government is spending per migrant is about £50,000, which is, by, by the way, why they all want to come here. Because in Europe, in France, for example, it's about £5,000 thereabouts. It might be euros, but thereabouts. So we're spending 10 times the amount of money per migrant here. So the government, on the one hand, is is fine with that, you know, spending all of that money. And I don't know how much his care costs. I'll find that out at the weekend. But still, regardless, um, you know, even like I said, on an economic front, that the, the hospital must have spent an absolute fortune keeping him alive in a coma in intensive care. If they got rid of, of one diversity, yeah. If they got rid of one diversity manager, the the annual yes. salary for that would pay for treatment like this. We have got a communist, it's communism is the NHS. I'm sorry, don't dress it up as anything else. The NHS is run like a communist setup because people who aren't any good at the job get promoted and moved up the ladder. People come out with ridiculous decisions. Why didn't somebody in the NHS challenge their idiotic sense of making people wear masks? Somebody should have had some gonads in the NHS and challenged the government to say, don't you make ordinary citizens wear masks to save a row with Nicola Sturgeon? What you should be doing is explaining why they're useless, not joining in with the charade. And this is what we're up against. We're up against these... Ma I mean, I've got friends who work in the NHS and they tell me some real stories uh, one of them retires shortly, and she's gonna she's gonna blow the beans on quite a lot of things that go on. <clears throat> they already had foreign nurses staying in hotels, ready to take up the slack when they sacked the, the uh, nurse, the frontline NHS staff, if they didn't take the jab. We fought this. We didn't fight all this government and these idiots. That we are, we have got to face the fact. Labour and Conservatives are irrelevant. It's both one team giving you the illusion mm. of choice, leading you down the same road. It's the abyss. If this is what the healthcare system's like, if they cared, if they cared about people like Craig, they'd do something for him. If they cared, they wouldn't take 20,000 beds off us since 2017, 5,000 of which went during lockdown. That's not a sign of a health service or a country who cares. That's a sign of someone balancing a, a book, balancing the books, the balance sheet. How can we cut back here? How can we cut back there? And that's what we're up against. Yeah, it's actually worse than that, June, because of course, you know, during the pandemic, the the, the government gave away billions in contracts for stuff that was just absolutely useless, like all the, I think it was £8 billion <clears throat> worth of dodgy PPE that had to be burnt. So when you kind of put things in, in, in context like that, and they would, you know, they would sell that as health, we're protecting you. We really care about you, every single person that dies. <clears throat> and yet we've got this. I mean, the other thing as well, June, is the doctors involved. Um, I'm going to find out which hospital it is and which doctor, because I think they should be shamed. Um, it's absolutely disgraceful watching that video and seeing him. You can see him smiling. You can see him interacting with his daughter, pushing yeah. the ball. Absolutely disgraceful that anyone 
would think that it's appropriate to start withdraw nutrition and let him die um, of starvation and dehydration. God Absolutely disgusting. Them. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, we're going to take a quick break now, uh, but don't go anywhere, June. But back right in a second. So stay tuned with me, James Freeman, and June Slater on TNT Radio. Dewebonizing weather with reality and perspective. A few weeks ago, I wrote an article in CFACT about how people completely missed the true meaning of those storms that were blasting the UK three to four weeks ago. While they screamed climate change, climate change, climate change and warming, they were blind to the fact that this was indicating the pattern was going to change and that Europe was going to turned cold and snowy, and a bit earlier than normal. So now they claim everybody is surprised, for one, and for two, naturally, they're blaming warming. Well, guess what? There's a lot of rain going into Western Europe now, and it's quite warm. Wait till you see what's going to be like two to three weeks from now. Now, if you say, Joe, how are you telling us this? Why doesn't everybody know? It's because no one bothers looking anymore. Experts are now saying that a sign of a warming world is more snow. Now, wait a minute. 25 years ago, they said the opposite. And yet, when I was in third grade, my dad gave me a weather book because he knew I was into it. It was an entire chapter on why it would snow more if the earth started getting warmer. It means there's more water vapor in the air. And even though it warms up in some places, it doesn't warm up enough. So if there's more water vapor and it's still below 32, it's going to snow more. That was taught also in college back in the 1970s. So here we go again with people coming out with these ideas when they can't explain what's going on because they have absolutely no knowledge of what actually happens with the weather. They don't forecast it. And who do they blame? Warming. This is a scam and a sham. And the more I read about it, the more I try to be nice and look at the other side of the position, the more I realize this has nothing to do with climate or weather. This is TNT Climate and Weather Watchdog meteorologist Joe Bastardi asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you've got. You ever heard of a polyp? Sounds like a rare species of toad. Actually, it's a lump that grows inside me, your bowel. Look, I'm pretty sure if you had a strange lump growing on your forehead, you might get it looked at, right? But when they're growing inside me, nothing, nada. And the polyps I get can lead to Australia's second deadliest cancer. So, until there's a way to make them grow on your face, it's up to you to get me looked at. Got it? The conversation continues with James Freeman on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Right. Well, June, um, we've got a few stories, but I want to start with fishy Rishi Sunakas, um, because as far as I can see, this whole thing with the Rwanda bill, it's all scripted. I just can't see how it could be anything else. We've got a bill um, which is being put in place to say that Rwanda is a safe country. Um, you know, lots of the more clued up MPs are saying that it won't work. Suella Braverman, who was um, obviously, Secretary of State, she's resigned now. The immigration minister has resigned, saying that the bill won't work. Apparently, um, you know, um, they'll be able to defer de de deportation for up to a year. There's loads of other things that could go wrong with it. To me, it looks like this is a setup. It's meant to fail. Um, it's meant to um, damage the Conservative Party in the run-up to the election so that we end up with a Labour Party that will have a, you know, a 300 majority. What, what's your thoughts on all of this, June? Everything that you've just mentioned doesn't matter. It's all irrelevant. 
and, and the reason I say that, I'm not poo-pooing what you've said. What I'm saying is this. Once the public understand that um, dissecting the immigration issue, including Rwanda, and how it's going to affect the Tories, is completely irrelevant, they couldn't come in much faster if they tried. So the, the only thing that keeps them out is the sea conditions. And you haven't got anybody willing in Parliament to do what they should do, which is get the Royal Navy involved, pick them up at the edge of the British waters, give them some sustenance, warm blankets, food, something hot, turn them round, send them back to France. France isn't dangerous. The trouble is that the people in the little boats aren't the problem. It's the people who can afford the big boats, the, the super yachts, the elite that are controlling all this. They want people to come in. They want us to dumb down our population with people who can't speak English, aren't educated. Please don't come on my thread saying that the doctors and nurses and dentists, no, they're not. Most of them are absolutely thick. Some of them are criminals and a lot of them are lying. They're not refugees. Now, it doesn't matter how sanctimonious you are and what how high you are a virtue signaller. Something has got to go off. It's called maths. And that is, as these illegals come across, and, and the other ones, they're eating into the facilities of what should be there for genuine cases. The immigration can be stopped. And you get rid, you would get rid of a large percentage. Um, somebody who used to work at Border Force said to me in a message that you would get rid of 60% of the illegals if you just insisted on ID. Now, a lot of them are throwing their IDs away on the beaches of France. People are picking up their mobile phones. They're throwing them away when they get picked up in on NGO boats. They're getting, you know, there's a guy there with a carry bag collecting their phones. Now, we're not saying you want digital ID. Don't go off on that tack. I'm not saying that. I'm talking about the facilities we have now, iPhones and passports. If you can manage to cross the sea and keep your hijab on your head, you can manage to keep your passport. And if you haven't got your passport, you can't come in. It's as simple as that. Because people who are desperate, people who are simply persecuted because they're gay or something else is going on, God forbid you live in an Arabic country and you're trans, God knows how you go on. Um, but people coming across, if they are desperate and sincere, they will have a passport. The only reason you would want to get rid of your passport is you don't want people to know who you are or what you're up to. So that would get rid of a large percentage of them. Just that one thing. And I've said it before with the dinghies, license bring it out they did the legislation quick enough for covid bring some legislation out france should join in but they won't so we're up against the french so do what the french do take them back into french waters then the french have to pick up the slack you know people aren't going to keep yeah. forking out three and five thousand pounds to cross the channel and then get taken back that's going to put them off stop using hotels <clears throat> you see the trouble is the tories <clears throat> A lot of the backers are very well off, and some of them on hotel change. That is handy, isn't it? Um, and these flagging hotels, because people aren't holiday in Britain, have managed to fill up the rooms with migrants at a guaranteed rate and guaranteed to put any damages uh, right. They, and, and now they're propositioning private landlords. So we have got really, really bad government. When I say government, you're supposed to have half of the House of Commons there to challenge the government. They've challenged nothing. They just speak a lot of hot air and, and get it back to why you should vote Labour. You shouldn't be voting for either of those two parties. 
because they can't run the country. They haven't got the capabilities. Yeah, and you're, you're bringing up some important points there. One of them, um, June, is the ridiculousness of the, the whole legal system. We've actually got lawyers who are advising them um, coming across to say they're gay so that they can't be um, deported to the country because, you know, they might be prosecuted or persecuted. They're also telling them to now to say that they um, they suffer from seasickness, so they won't be put on the barge um, out at sea. Now, the other thing that's worth saying is I was talking to somebody from international development the other day, and I didn't realise that all of these the money for these hotels is actually coming from the aid budget. So what the politicians in this country have done is direct our age budget, which is pretty meaty. It's pretty substantial. Um, and they're, they're paying all of these private landlords. It's a bloody scam. It really is a scam because essentially they're diverting government money, our money, taxpayers' money, into the hands of private landlords. And this isn't just by accident. Um, this is one of the reasons I, I believe that, you know, they're not, really sorting it all out because it's very profitable um, for some very rich people <clears throat> in this country. Well, it's not necessarily just the rich. If you are a private landlord, I, I'm a landlord, but I do commercial property and I have no borrowings, so I don't need to keep up with the trends. No one's going to no one's going to affect my tenants because I don't, you know, I'm not going to get stabbed from the building society. But a lot of landlords buy, buy to lets, which are basically Ponzi schemes designed to fail. Because if the banks put the interest rate up, you've got to then put your your rents up. What I really bulk at is uh, people who join into this scheme are actually helping to the demise of the country. Not only that, some of them, unscrupulous landlords, are kicking out tenants they've had for years. Because if you've got yeah. a terrace that's getting you 700 quid a month and all of a sudden you can split it into a, a four-bedroom dwelling – for multi-occupancy, for male migrants, which is what they are, um, you can get between 1600 and £2,000 a month. So that's going to make these landlords think, I've no choice. I either get repossessed or I, I get on the bandwagon. Because sadly, people lack moral fibre. They can be bought. And corporations and, you know, Britannia Hotels, you make me sick with what you've done. And... It's all the demise of the society. You know, brand new Ibis in a town near me. Brand new. It's hardly been used. It's full of migrants. Seaside hotels, full of migrants. They're hanging about during the day. One who's apparently, I can't tell you where it is because it's obviously, uh, he's been arrested. Uh, has been arrested for exposing himself. Um, he, he's here because he said he was gay, but he's exposing himself to a school girl. So he's not gay, is he? And there's just, mm. and there's no, what about the ambulances getting 999 calls and they have to divert to the migrant hotels because the ambulance drivers are instructed to do that. Um, and they're ringing up because they've got toothache or they're ringing up because they don't know how to heat a bottle to feed a, a child because there was one family. One family, there were 200 people in a hotel and one family. The rest were male. One family. Yeah. But every it's, every uh, single it, aspect of this is handled badly. Yeah, and I've I've always kind of like um shied away from making these comparisons between like I really liked your comparison earlier of you know how much this country spends on people that come across the channel illegally versus Craig 
who um you know is is um making good progress and now because of money they want to take away his life and let him die even though he's got young children and everything i think you know i used to shy away because sometimes it's a bit like well it's not really a good comparison but it it is it is because things have gone upside down in this country now june <laughs> let's stay on politics let's stay on politics um because um 17 other mps now have joined andrew bridgen um over the weekend they put their signatures to a um a request for a half day debate on excess deaths which andrew has been fighting alone by himself for many months to get that um i did see yesterday that he's actually been declined that debate despite the fact that there are now 18 MPs calling for it. Um, and he said that they've said that they might give them a debate in the Hall of Westminster after Christmas. What do you, I mean, it's it just it's just bonkers, isn't it? The, the, again, this is another example <clears throat> where MPs are saying to us, we care about you. We care about, the, you know, every COVID death, we care about you. And we yet, know. you know, now we see all these people dying and they don't care about them and they don't care about Craig. Um, they care about making money from migrants and channeling that money to um, landowners um, in, in the UK. Um, what do you make of this? I mean, it, it, it just, it, I don't know, it boils my blood, well, June. You, it really you've, does. You've got, you've got a set of people in Westminster, both sides of the house. Please stop blaming the government because the opposition isn't challenging the right stuff. Um, there's nobody from the Labour Party wanted to turn up, by the way, no matter how much you think the stories are terrible. There's 17 MPs. I think there might be one Labour MP. I spoke to Andrew um, the other night. What's wrong about this is you only have to speak to someone who's in life insurance to see that their claims have gone up, paying out more money to working age people. That is an alarm bell, isn't it? That's like, oh, do, 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 something's going wrong here. We're paying out more on life insurance to working age people than we did before 2020. Hello? Can you see the elephant in the room? Because it's actually pooping all over your face. It's that obvious. <laughs> and what we've got is people who won't face up to what they've done. They never will. We will never get we will never get retribution. They will never admit what they've done. Um, and what should be happening here, this this debate should be a priority. It should be up there with hang on, what this is working people. We're short of workers and working people are dying. Why aren't we why aren't we investigating this? Why aren't we giving it all we've got? Oh, because it just might unearth something they don't want to talk about. So it's kicked into the long grass. The useless. The COVID inquiry, completely pointless, utterly pointless, because all they're going to yeah. do is get you to agree that they should have locked down quicker when they should never have locked down at all. Never ever. Yeah, and I think it can be useful, this actually, because I was talking to someone the other day um, and it was someone's parents who've now um, awoken. And what what was the actual thing that, that made them start looking and asking questions was the fact that, you know, the ONS, the Office for National Statistics, published official data showing that there's all these excess deaths. And then they were shown the amount of MPs that actually turned up for the debate. And they were shocked, utterly shocked which then they went on to ask further questions and now they're one of us they realize that something's gone wrong and actually the government don't give a toss about the british public um june sadly we have run out of time again um i'm really looking forward to next week we'll have to get our christmas hats out um, in the run-up to christmas um 
but yes the fabulous june slater ladies and gentlemen really looking forward to next week's show with you june right to the rest of you don't go anywhere because we've got many many more fantastic shows for you right here on tnt radio so don't go anywhere